0: Playing with bombs like kids play with toys, one warm December our hearts will see, a world where men are free.
1: Ho, ho, hello, and welcome to another seasonal celebration from Fire & Water Records, the music anthology show of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. I'm Ryan Daly, and it wouldn't be a very daily Christmas without my brother, the hard rock to my cocoa, my brother, Neil Daly. What's up, Neil?
2: (laughs) Hey, Ryan, and hey, everyone out there. I'm Neil Daly. You might remember me from such controversial holiday podcasts as Reindeer in the Headlights, and I saw Mommy kissing Mrs. Claus. And after a two-year hiatus, we're happy to be back doing what we love most this time of year, telling humiliating stories about each other. So it's good (laughs) to be back, bro.
1: Yeah, um, I, I guess some people might be asking, like, why did we miss a year? Why? I mean, the show Fire and Water Records has been on a hiatus for a while. And I guess the, the explanation for that is. Spotify uh, took out the the Reaper Scythe and started uh, cutting (laughs) all of my my podcasts from their library because my generous and not entirely legal use of copyright material in these podcasts, which I have always maintained my defense, is that I am using these to promote other people's songs. I am not financially benefiting from these. I am not playing entire song clips. I am playing as much, if not less, than the 90-second previews that you can get when you Listen to it, like before you download a song, so really it was just it was me kind of fighting with uh, with, with Spotify and and uh, some other reasons and stuff going on behind the scenes that doesn't matter as much. But
2: yeah, I had a tendency to believe there's also a little bit of you know the old classic tropes of network standards and practices you know coming at us saying <laughs> saying you know this we want this to be a PG broadcast but some of the stuff was maybe not safe for for work viewers or for people to listen to with their children at home so you know there was there's definitely some some network uh how should we say it uh memos that crossed our desks <laughs> saying hey guys clean it up you know this joke is inappropriate so
1: and we came back with well what do you think blue Christmas means
2: <laughs> exactly Exactly, <laughs> exactly, so yeah, so hopefully though you know being off for a year or two uh was enough to whet the our listeners' appetite and bring people back, so it's been a couple of crazy years in general, just with yeah. what was going on, you know
1: I know I know Gutierrez the the Joe to our hard rock and cocoa yes. has at least been messaging me like once a week asking when we're coming back, <laughs> he's like he needs more daily brothers podcasts in his life uh well i I think I think the world does. I do too. I agree. Yeah. I, I think that's really what this what this is, which kind of leads to the the song that I I kicked us off with uh, that that you heard in the intro, which is "Someday at Christmas" by Stevie Wonder. Which I, I love the song and I was actually it, it had fallen off of my radar for several years. Otherwise I probably would have put it on a previous episode, like the third one that we did. Of all things, what it reminded me of um at the beginning of this Christmas season, like like right after Thanksgiving when I started listening to holiday music again, uh I heard a version by Lizzo. Oh really? Um, <laughs> which is an artist that we don't talk about enough just in general. I feel that's, like. that's true trying to do an episode on Lizzo sometime um but she's got a version of this song and i was like oh yeah i remember that and then i was going through this whole thing in my head i was like was it a Jackson 5 song first and Stevie Wonder covered it? No, Stevie Wonder would have done it first and they yeah. covered it. And I had to go back and I I was actually debating between the Jackson 5 and the Stevie Wonder or even the Wizzo version. I was like, which one am I, gonna I going to play? I end up going old school just because that's where my mind has been lately. Um, So I love the Stevie Wonder version. And the whole idea of the song, Wishing for a Brighter Tomorrow, despite all the crap that is happening in the world today, it's very kind of in anti war protest song done with the, within the Christmas spirit, you know, from the opening line, like, hoping that men won't be boys playing with bombs the way they play with toys. Um, and, and the metaphor continues throughout there and seeing all of the conflict going on in the world right now, which was also part of, you know, just, mm-hmm. You, you saying, you know, we, this is, we, this is a time when people need Christmas. Uh, what did I hear? I heard it in in a description of a Christmas carol and the, the story of Scrooge, which we'll come back and talk to later on in this episode. Somebody was describing like in a world where just people are generally selfish. And if you listen to Scrooge's message and how by nature people are bad, Christmas is the one time of year when the sort of structure of society and conventions demand no, Damn it! Just be civil to each other for yeah. one day, for one week. Just go out of your way to be nicer, and <laughs> and I think that's something that we need now more than ever because of a lot of you know social political stuff going on, all of the financial conflicts, everything going on in the world. We need a good Christmas, and our listeners demand a good daily Christmas. So. That was the reason for I picked this song to kick us off. That's also the reason why we are back for volume four before before I go any further before I will hear your thoughts on the song and before we get into the rest of our list. Um, I do want to mention our listener feedback because this is one of those annual shows where yes, we have also yes. always gotten great listener feedback. I'm not going to read through any of the comments because they were so long ago at this point, um, but I just did want to give a shout out to the people who are nice enough to leave comments on our uh, website post, which you can find at fireandwaterpodcast.com. We got comments from Gord Tolton, Paul Hicks, David Ace Gutierrez, Diablo Frank, Clinton Robinson, Lucien Dessar, Tom Panarese, Chris Franklin, Mike Dines, and Matthias McBride. Um, and we also got tons of Facebook shares and likes, um, the, the responses on Twitter and other social media. Um, thank you guys for, for really supporting the show. Hopefully you'll like this one just as much
2: I'm glad you referenced, you know, the people that are, are fans of this show, you know, unfortunately, because we had a little break doing a Christmas episode, we didn't get to take on requests ahead of time, but I do want to give a shout out to those people that have done that in the past, because in past shows, just when you think you've heard every single Christmas song ever, um, somebody turns you on to something brand new that you hadn't heard before, or a version of a song by an artist that you just didn't know existed and that kind of thing. And that wouldn't be possible with the, with the, sheer volume of our, our viewers and our listeners that have given us feedback. And that's, it's, you know, we've talked about this before, but it is fun. To be interactive with the audience, to know that people are listening and that we're having an impact on them, and like when we share a story about our childhood and a a wacky memory about going to a relative's house, and then you know ten people jump in the chat and they're like, "Oh my god, that reminds me of this," and everything. That's what makes this kind of stuff fun. So, uh, you know, we should probably open the door then for the people that listen to the show. First of all, thank you for listening, and then if you do have feedback, give it to us again. Give us your song choices for next year and we'll discover some cool things. So unlike Ryan, who starts listening to Christmas music the day after Thanksgiving, (laughs) I start the day after Halloween. I'm a November 1st guy. So uh, to the horror of all those around me,
1: you know what? And that's, that's one of those things. I saw that question. That's always been kind of a topical question. Like, when do you start listening to? When is it appropriate to start decorating? <laughs> well, those are, two, when, those are two. Those are two different questions. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Like, when is it appropriate to start listening to music? When do you do all these things? And like the questions. And I have <laughs> always had kind of a. Uh, I've always been very rigid and and structured in my answers and say, let every holiday have its time. You know, wait till after Thanksgiving. And this year, um, it's one thing I just—I I stopped caring about Thanksgiving. I just—I—I—I I, I feel like it's an old-fashioned holiday that's had its day, and it's. Well,
2: you've also never had your jaw wired shut during Thanksgiving, which gives you a reason to kind of disdain the holiday.
1: <laughs> I would think that would give you more of a hatred for it. <laughs>
2: it does. It does. That's a—it's Halloween and Christmas for me.
1: Yeah. Um, but really, I mean, j- again, just going with. Going with the spirit of the season and and the spirit of like, everything that's been going on, I just I'm trying to be less judgmental of people and just like let people have their fun. If if somebody wants to start celebrating Christmas the day after St. Patrick's Day, mm-hmm. go for it. If you wanna if you wanna put up your, your lights as soon as the fireworks are over on Fourth of July, hallelujah, have fun. <laughs> Amen yeah. to that. Mariah you know? Carey does. <laughs> there, you go, there you go. So my answer to when is it appropriate to do these things is who cares? Just let people enjoy <laughs> yeah. people. If, if it gives them some comfort, if, if it finds some joy in listening to Christmas music in September, October, who cares? We'll do it whenever. Yeah. So.
2: yeah and thank you. Thank you for reminding all of our listeners out there, what the daily fed, the annual daily family Christmas mantra is for this show every year. Who cares? <laughs> 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 so, so, uh, so. Also, well, in keeping in mind, let's go back to your first song choice, real quick. I think it, I, I just want to reference because you said you've you put it succinctly and perfectly. But I do want to kind of mention how, although this podcast is done in jest and it's meant to be fun and entertaining, uh, it also it takes on. You know, there, we're we're not oblivious to topical events and things like going on. I think the last one we did, you and I inadvertently were influenced by the Black Lives Matter protests and the George Floyd situation and all that. And so we took, uh, that influenced our musical song choices, uh, whether it was conscious or not. And I think this year, you know, what you're talking about right now, there's a whole lot of things. There's political discord in the country. There's a war over in, in Ukraine, right? There's so many things going on right now. So this song choice is really, really a kind of A perfect way to kind of launch us into this podcast because it it is relevant Mm -hmm. right now, you know, especially right now. I mean, I know it sounds kind of cliche to say this, but everybody needs a little Christmas, you know, that kind Uh of thing. Um, So, I you know, this song... I, we've I've talked about Stevie Wonder in the past. You know that this is right in my wheelhouse of that '60s Motown era kind of sound. Yep, I've talked yep. about that before, so this is this is this is great. Um, I think it's funny that this song has been redone so many times. Um, I, I recently, oh god, I think it was a couple of years ago. Your our mutual friend of the show JT mentioned that Pearl Jam did like a two-hour youtube video of christmas songs like just placed to the video of a fire burning and, then it went, and it was something like that and it was like all their christmas songs but this song was done by them this song was done by like justin bieber rascal flats all sure, kinds yeah, of yeah. stuff and then almost everybody on the motown label mm. uh, almost everybody did it
1: i think stevie wonder himself came back to it uh I think he, several years ago for it was for a commercial yeah i don't I think, remember yeah, what product I, he was selling but he did a new version of it as a duet with somebody else yeah
2: Yeah, I think he did, too. The only thing that I would add uh, to the specific notes about this particular song, which is cool, is this song was released in November 1966 as a single. And the response was so big. That then he did a full album that was released in November '67, and it was titled "Someday at, Someday Christmas. at Christmas." Yeah, yeah. A- and I just, and most of you, uh, you know, I've I've done the follow-up single that, which came out the year that the album was released, was "What Christmas Means to Me." I've talked about that before, but this would, this is the song that kind of launched that that album, the 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 album, the full release, and the other bands covering this wouldn't be. Uh, wouldn't have come out had not this song been released as a single before, and it's just a perfect song choice.
1: All right, let's take it to your list. What's your first song? Okay, I'm going to go
2: with a song that's been done thousands and thousands of times. Um, I'm going to go with a particular version that I enjoy the most by a by a four group a foursome called the Tenors, and it's the classic All Langs
3: The song. This is based on a Scottish language poem from
2: 1788. Uh, the literal Scottish translation for "Auld Lang Syne" is means. Old long since, but in the context of the song, it can be loosely translated, I suppose, as uh, like for the sake of old times. Um, this is this has become a New Year's Eve tradition. Uh, back in the 1700s and 1800s, it was sang in Scotland, Ireland, England, and since has been adopted uh, by the U.S. as well. It's it's meant to kind of be a toast. To the end of the year, uh, a toast, uh, you know, out with the old, in with the new, that kind of thing. I've heard a lot of beautiful versions of this song, and it's weird because it's kind of associated with Christmas music, even though it's actually more of a New Year's Eve song, Um, but it falls into the same holiday. The reason I chose this particular song choice, or this particular version, is because uh, a lot of the very pretty ballad versions of the song, like Leah Michelle from Glee, does a beautiful solo piano version but for a song that's kind of supposed to be out with the old, in with the new, we're welcoming the new year. Most of the versions of the song are kind of downtrodden and almost depressing. They're sad ballads and that mm-hmm. type of thing. That that, that There's a melancholiness that kind of comes with traditional versions of this song, even though it's supposed to lead to hope. Yeah. And I chose this particular version because of the the tenors in the musical arrangement has this is the more uplifting version of any of them that i've heard it kind of builds to a crescendo by the time you get to the last the third verse in the third chorus um, and by the way because it's told in traditional scots uh, language very rarely can I understand what they're saying, and, and <laughs> but but like we said about the motto for this show, who cares? Who cares? Um, yeah, who cares? But I chose this song because it's uplifting, it's powerful, and you've got four tenor singers just blowing the roof off the auditorium, you know, doing some operatic moments that bring the song. And it this version does give me hope and give me excited about what's to come in the new year.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can't disassociate the song from the end of It's a Wonderful Life. Like that's mm-hmm. like when you when I hear the words all the time, like I just I hear that and I like I picture the end of that movie. Yeah. Um, but I've been listening to this song a lot since you you mentioned that you want to put it on the list. Like I put this in my rotation um, and it's great. And it, like this is probably going to become my definitive version of the song, I think, just because it's it is really powerful and their voices just nail it. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. All right. What do you got next then?
1: All right, my next song on the list, um, and this is this is actually more honestly, this is the song that inspired me to come back and do another another episode of this podcast because I wanted to do I wanted to talk about something at the end of this year, Um, and it is a it is a sad subject coming off of uh, of the song that you were just mentioning about going into the new year and new hope and hopefully after going through this subject we'll be able to like look forward and be more positive. Um, all that, you're going to think this song is ridiculous when I give you the name of it, um, but the song is Christmas is Going to the Dogs by the Eels. Well, Christmas is going to the dogs
0: We'd rather have two toys than you lots Things aren't looking very good So I'll just lay
1: here and you The reason I picked this one um, as listeners may or may not know, I mean if you followed me on Facebook, I, I probably know this but um, I have had two dogs for the past 10 to 12 years. I lost them both this past summer. Uh, they both died within eight weeks of each other, one in late July, one in September. It wrecked me um, in a way that I, I, I thought I was prepared for. Um, uh, but I just, I mean, they've been such a huge part of my life, just like from like the day-to-day life in terms of how much, how much I walked them outside, how much money spent feeding them, taking care of them. And just like, just the emotional part before I had a child of my own, they were my kids. Um, and that was never something because I, we didn't have dogs when we were growing up. Like we didn't have them in the house. So I didn't become a dog owner until later in my life. Um, and I was surprised at the way it changed me, even when I wasn't really expecting or paying attention to. Um, one of them had been had the Lily, the younger one had been having kind of health concerns, and I was kind of thinking she might she might not be much longer for it. Um, but the older one, Anya, who had been physically healthier, but was kind of starting to lose some of her senses. Uh, she was actually the first one to go, and it was very sudden, had an aneurysm or or brain clot or something in her, and basically just had like a stroke, and it, it was awful. And then a few weeks later, Lily just had a lot of stomach stuff that had to, she had to be put to sleep, so... Um, I mentioned like, how how sad this was, and I, I wanted to bring this up and kind of reflect on it because I know Neil, you also Diego was a huge part of your life. You lost him a couple of years ago, but you and Alexia lost Bambino, one of your puppies, earlier. Earlier, actually, just like a month before, I lost Anya. I actually texted you. I was like, "Well, I'm sorry to steal your thunder, but I know yeah. I know how you're feeling now." Um, but it's not just the two of us. Like, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm more aware of it or just like anecdotally. I think there's like 30 people. That I know or are like friends of friends, like friends of mom and dad, people in the podcast community, people who listen to the show, people who – shows that I listen to, like Facebook friends and everything. I swear it's like more than two dozen people I know have lost a dog or a cat or like a, a close family pet or something this year. I don't know what it is, but it's been a shitty year for pets, for pet lovers so so i wanted to kind of reflect on that and pay homage with this song christmas is going to the dogs there is also a christmas connection because the first year that we got anya i think it was it would have been 2011 was the first christmas Angie and I we spent christmas eve and christmas day at her dad's house uh Dave's house, which is just is is a easy drive just it's not like a long trip but we spent the night there on christmas eve and then on christmas day we had breakfast and then we were going to go to my sister-in-law's house for dinner we didn't want to bring the dog we had the Anya was with us overnight um, But then we didn't want to bring her to Jen's house for dinner. So I was like, okay, I will drive Anya back to our place, and then I'll drive separately back to Jen's house. So I took Anya home, and then as I'm driving back to go to my sister-in-law's to meet uh, everybody else, the rest of the family, I'm all alone in the car. As I'm driving back on to the interstate, I hit this patch of black ice as I'm going on the on-ramp, and the car starts to skid. And I'm basically, like, riding this curve, fish tailing, skidding out to the point where I'm, like, perpendicular to, like, the road and everything like that. As I'm getting on overpass, I'm now, like, looking over the bridge and everything like that. And I'm like, I'm oh, in real trouble here, dude. Like, this is the first time I've, like, ever, like, skidded out on ice. Since moving to New England, and I'm like, and this is all happening in two seconds, right? But like, right. it's just as I'm cresting, I'm like the overpass, and I'm just looking, facing the wrong direction, with no control of the car, and I'm like, this will be a stupid way to die if I had to bring that dog home. By if I'm like all alone doing this, and I'm on this part of the road just because I had to take the dog home, and you know we'd only had it for like a few months at that point, and I'm just like, damn it, Anya, I'm just like cursing or <laughs> whatever, um. Regain control of the car, but not before kind of skidding into the side of the, the bridge and, and causing a couple of hundred dollars worth of damage to the, to the front. <laughs> um, something that Angie holds against me because she says, I don't know how to drive in New England and she's never forgiven me for that. But considering that she ruined this Christmas and we'll come back to that story later. Yes, we um, will. Anyway, so that's, that's kind of like the story that Christmas 2011, I will always remember is the, the year I almost, I almost died in a car crash because I had to drive on your home and now having lost her this year um I, yeah i just i feel emotionally as a wreck um and those of you out there listening um if you've lost a pet this year or really any year but if you if you know how that feels you know i my heart aches for you um uh i you know if you've got you know that kind of love and companionship in your life I reach out you know uh hold them tight give them some nice cuddles and stuff like that um the song itself is, is a silly one but i also i was I, I used to be a huge fan of the eels i really like e and like his his songwriting and um i think he's just an underrated talent and they were like one of my favorite bands for and a prolific there. and yeah. prolific oh, he, oh he, my he, god he writes a lot actually what what well this song this song was in i think scrooge or no, no grinch. The grinch it was the in grinch. the movie the grinch the Jim but Harry i didn't version, hear it yeah. there i heard it on Uh, like a collection of like box like rarities outtakes of soundtrack songs and everything they had a couple of those albums but yeah i had a bunch of those and yeah that's why i picked this song uh the connection for the pets and if you lost an animal this year hopefully it doesn't hurt as much this christmas
2: yeah um everything you said was beautiful and i obviously went through that with you And prior to you, you know, um, well, first of all, I I appreciate you picking a song, not just this particular song for the animals, but because it's a song off the Grinch soundtrack. So that can kind of (laughs) that can kind of help me move past the Taylor Momsen. (laughs) So so that that that, I feel a little bit better about this one now. So and then the only thing I'm going to say, yeah, we've talked about Diego in the past, you know, um, my my eternal, you know, my best friend, uh, the first dog I ever had uh, who he and I made movies together. We made music videos. We made workout videos together. We did cooking shows together. I mean, you know, he was, uh, he was my partner in crime and he actually passed away a couple of years ago, but at the end of November. So it was this season when it, when it happened. Um, and that was hard. And, you know, when Alexia came into my life with two other small puppies, um, you know, I was kind of not, she thought it might make sense for me to get another one. And I said, no, you know, that kind of thing for anybody that's gone through that, like you can't, you can't determine on your own that right. it's time, you know, it has to just kind of happen. Right. Um, and then she, you know, like, like basically I've had, I've had essentially now four dogs in my life and each one of them I've said no to like, I don't <laughs> no, I don't want that. Like, you know, <laughs> all of them I've said, no, well, Alexia goes out and gets Cindy Lou in February. Um, who named Cindy Lou after Cindy Lou who Mm -hmm. from the Grinch. Right. Ironically. Um, And, and I, you know, she brought this dog home and I'm like, no, no, don't want her. We're not going to keep her. And then, you know, I'm a, I'm a sap for once the dog's in the house. Like I can't, I can't say no to it. Um, But, to come full circle to what you said. So, you know, as I, as I do this podcast, I've got these two, you know, small nine pound puppies sitting by my feet as I'm doing this. But one of them is noticeably absent. And that is Bambina, who was the elder, uh, the queen bee of Alexia's three dogs. Um, And she passed, like you said, a month before, uh, before Anya did and Lily did. So it's, yeah, this is, this song is, it's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful song choice to kind of bring a smile to my face in an otherwise depressing subject. Well, so, <laughs> you know, between, I think it's kind of, it's kind of poignant that between "All Lang Syne was the song choice before this one and, and, and the song Christmas is going to the dogs. Um, you know, it, it kind of makes me reflect a little bit and I, I would be, you know, you unfortunately don't have any Dogs in your house at the moment to kind of carry on uh, the legacy from losing both of them so soon together, back to back. I can't imagine Mm -hmm. what that's like. But what I can tell you is after losing Bambina, we have a tendency to spoil the other two a little bit more than normal now. (laughs) And I I I think a lot of people probably go through that. And this time of year specifically, there is, you know, there's a bit of reflection, a bit of nostalgia, and then a bit of appreciation and gratitude towards what you do have. Uh And these two two dogs who you know i i will hate forever and but <laughs> but i treat them maybe a little bit better now than i did earlier this year so <laughs> good song choice man all right thanks
1: uh, all right, move on, then. What is your next song? For you? All right, let's pick the tempo up a little bit. Let's have
2: some fun with this one, just for giggles and just for a laugh. Um, I chose
0: Sock It to Me, Santa by
2: Bob Seeger in the last turn. Sock it to me, Santa,
0: you know what I like. Sock it to me, Santa, just bring me a bag. Christmas just won't be a drag. Santa's got a brand new bag. Okay, this
2: one was kind of fun, and I discovered this one in a weird sort of way, happenstance type of thing. Um, Bob, for for most almost everybody knows who Bob Seger is, but for those for those of you that don't, he's uh, from Detroit. He's a roots rocker, an Americana rocker, a blue collar uh, kind of rocker from Detroit. You know the the cars and the steel mills and stuff. Very similar to Bruce Springsteen and a lot of Bob Seger's band music. He's most notably famous for the Silver Bullet Band. Um, They are very similar to the East Street Band. So Ryan and I have talked for at great length. We did a whole boss sized episode of Bruce Springsteen and the East Street Band. Bob Seger is one of those guys for me. And I think I've kind of over the years developed a little bit more of an affinity for Bob Seger as time's gone on. You know, I've heard his songs in soundtracks. We've heard him in commercials for advertisements and stuff, but he's got a pretty, a pretty damn good collection of songs that date back to like when I was in high school, I kind of dug Bob Seger and he's got a really, really cool, like kind of gravelly rock voice. Mm -hmm. So in my just developing a Bob Seger playlist over the last year or so, I started to do some deep dives into Bob Seger and realized that he was around for a long, long time trying to make it as a musician before he finally broke out. And he had probably a dozen bands in his early Detroit years of the 60s before he kind of broke out in the 70s. Um, And in one of my searches... I discovered he had a very short-lived band called The Last Heard, and they were just all Detroit area musicians, and they put out a Christmas song. And so, of course, that triggered something on my radar. I'm like, oh, that'll be cool. I want to hear like a, a Christmas song. And so I expected it to be like a, a full E Street band kind of, you know, thing. And I listened to it and I'm like, this sounds like james brown <laughs> this is this is a carbon copy of james brown so i was shocked and but i loved the song it was great so i dug into it a little bit more and the more i listened to it and there it was it was released as a single and this kind of got him on the map and then this launched him he then he got bigger gigs and broke out of the detroit area and then he became a midwestern area guy so this in a weird way this song that doesn't sound much like anything bob seeker did it really sounds like he's aping james brown but this song kind of launched him to the bob Seger that we know now and the fact that it's just a great rock 60s rock santa claus song <laughs> I, I i i just had to put it on my list this year i i for no other reason other and it's just awesome
1: yeah that riff where he's like he's very overtly Taking James Brown's line, just Santa's got a brand new bag. Yep. And then with the little twang, the little, Dang, yep, that like, stinger at the end of the line too. I'm like, uh huh. This is you're just like, I assume you had to pay James Brown for that, right? Like, I'm oh like, yeah. Like, yeah. And, then, and then he even does the full like, Hai. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like the first time I heard it, I was like, this was really distracting. Like, I had to get it <laughs> out of my system by playing the song a couple of times before I could just like really like hear the song because I was just like. What is he doing here? Like, I'm just like, this is so, such an oddity for him. And I didn't know the chronology. I didn't know that this was that much earlier in his, uh, in his, uh, career and his, his discography, So I was just kind of like, I was like, this is such an odd choice. Like, this is like almost distracting, but like, what after, After getting over that hump, I was just like, this is a fun rocker. I'm digging this, yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
2: it's a fun rocker. And any time you can actually make a point to rhyme Cupid, the reindeer, (laughs) with stupid, you've got a hit. (laughs) And not be a parody song, which it usually is. Correct, correct. Like, how did how did I not think of that when writing a Christmas song? That's perfect. <laughs> so, so yeah. For those of us, and and you know, we've talked about of my many many uh, Christmas playlists and stuff. Ryan, you and I have recently kind of cultivated a little bit more of a rock Christmas playlist. I've separated yeah. the rock from from just the pop and stuff like that. So I've
1: oh, I've got I've like deba- I've got modern rock Christmas, and, yeah, and, and old school rock. Yeah. Exactly,
2: exactly. So this song was a fun discovery for me. This is not one of of the ones that was on my classic rotation for the last 20 years. This was a new discovery for me, and I just thought it was fun, and I had to throw it in.
1: All right. Uh, well, moving on to another classic rock artist, maybe the classic rock artist, and this one actually goes back to the feedback, the listener feedback that we've got, because yeah. I think that every episode... <laughs> People have been like, "Hey, I'm surprised you didn't have Elvis. I'm surprised you didn't have an Elvis Christmas song. Uh, when are you gonna get to Elvis?" And I think last last time, Diablo Frank was actually giving us like some side eye, like looking at us suspiciously. <laughs> okay, seriously, it's been three episodes. Like, are you actively avoiding Elvis? Like, are you, do you have a problem with this? Like, what is going on? So I was like, "All right, we got we got to do this. We actually have to have an Elvis song." And then the question was, which one? Yeah. Um, uh is it my favorite i'm like my go-to my go-to elvis song probably is uh santa bring my baby back to me mm-hmm. that's just a banger and then obviously most people probably know santa claus back in town or blue christmas Blue christmas, probably yeah. are, are the ones that he's probably most famous for um for my choice though i wanted to do something a little bit different and it was funny because we were exchanging thoughts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we were on the exact same wavelength i was <laughs> i was like I don't remember if it was you or me, but like we said each other, we had the exact same two songs. Yeah. And the the runner-up, the one that didn't make my list was uh, Holly Leaves and Christmas Trees, which is a Mm -hmm. really pretty one. But going a little bit bigger, uh, I went with I'll Be Home on Christmas Day.
0: I could only borrow one dream from yesterday. Human train tomorrow. Happy home on Christmas Day.
1: Probably the reason I went with this one, um, it, it is a standard. It is very kind of emblematic of his Elvis' style, his singing style, the yeah. musical style. It feels epic in its own kind of Elvis type of way. It feels like a, te- a typical Elvis song. Mm-hmm. And in that you can sort of get his entire category or his catalog and his, his style in this one song. Also just because in a week's time or whatever, I'll be heading back to Illinois to, to spend Christmas with the family. And I think for maybe the first time in a decade plus, all of us will be together. I think so. Yeah, you, your family, me, my family, mom and dad, like all of us will be under the same roof at Christmas time. So yeah. uh yeah, that'll yeah. be that'll be crazy. And so yeah, I just I'm I'm just kind of looking for it. So yeah, that was that fact that we were all going to be there kind of led me to say, okay, the, the nature of the, the song, the title itself, I'll be home on Christmas Day, um, just kind of lent itself to my ears. And I just felt like this would be a good and fitting song choice for this one
2: yeah this this one was good i, I you you already described it exactly i think it's so funny how i can't emphasize it enough how funny it was that you and i both had the same two song selections and said it could be either this one or this one these are my the same
1: teachers. two that aren't the standards that aren't the right. most popular
2: correct <laughs> correct i think that that was just brilliant and that's awesome um I want to just kind of point out, I think it's also worth mentioning, although people have brought up before in the past, why haven't you done an Elvis song yet? Why haven't you done an Elvis song? Um, It was never because I didn't like Elvis Christmas songs. As a matter of fact, I'm surprised I don't have an entirely Elvis Christmas playlist. He's got some awesome Christmas songs and he's done multiple Christmas releases. And the cool thing about Elvis is that that was a voice that I could sing. So I like doing Christmas songs. I had a deep singing voice. So um, that, you know, whenever those came on, I could, I could, I could jam out to Elvis. So it was never a lack of us wanting to squeeze it in, or it wasn't like a chore to get us to put an Elvis song in. So listeners, rest assured, I love my Elvis Christmas songs. It was just kind of like, why, where do you even start? Where do, yeah, you, you know, where do you know there's
1: almost too much to go yeah yeah
2: yeah like where do you pick so but i love this song choice it was one of my two that i would have chosen and holly leaves and christmas trees was the other one but i think for all the reasons that you just described for why you chose this one i think that's that's beautiful and you're right i hadn't even that hadn't even occurred to me that we're all going to be under the same roof again and it's great we're less than a month out and people are already ruining that christmas
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right we've we've teased that story so i think i have to tell it now but before (laughs) i did have one other note about this song and it's just something that never would have occurred to me except for in preparation for the show i've had to listen to all of these songs like 10 times in a row Mm -hmm. um but the the lyrics to the song opens with from the hills of georgia across the plains of tennessee those two states are right next to each other yeah yeah that's, that's like two hundred. that's like a 200 mile air right. range like yeah yeah it's
2: like, not like saying from from new york city to la
1: yeah yeah that's not like portland maine to portland oregon or something like that no. yeah. the hills of georgia to the plains of tennessee it's like you drive there in a couple hours that's just like yeah yeah it's like did. one my, bus trip that's
2: my next christmas song i should write something about like like from the plains of deKalb to like downtown sycamore <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, so before we get to your next song, uh, yeah. oops, I kind of mention this—the um, the idea of Christmas already being ruined. Um, so we got to give some grief to the the wonderful women in our life. <laughs> two, two nights, yeah, just two nights ago, um, mom calls me up and she's like, "I've got this puzzle, this mystery, and I think I, I need your help to solve it." And I was like, "Okay." So she says she got uh, an envelope delivered to her. Uh, she thought it was a Christmas card or something, but inside there's like something wrapped in, and it's very like clearly like labeled like careful unwrapping or like unfold like a handle with care like almost as if it's fragile, but it's like very a very small thing. So and it was addressed to her, so she takes her time, she opens it, and there's also a note with it that says thanks, Lorraine, or thank you, Lorraine, whatever yeah, it is. So yeah. she opens it to find what appears to be a baseball card mom is neither a baseball fan or a baseball card collector really. true very true um strange that somebody would be sending her something um she shows it to dad who recognizes that the card in question is like maybe like the uh it's it's not a real baseball player it's a mock-up <laughs> card to look like the rookie card for Samuel a day Malone a fictional <laughs> character played by Ted Danson in the show cheers <laughs> As listeners probably know, I do a Cheers podcast. It's my favorite show of all time. The main character, Sam Malone, the bartender and owner of this bar, part of his backstory was in the 70s, he was a relief pitcher for the Boston yeah. Red Sox. I'm not sure if it's Tops or what like company like made a mock-up of a baseball card for him. By the
2: way, I should since you referenced your podcast, I should also point out that our mother Lorraine knows. As well, that you do a Cheers podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah. So let
2: let me just throw that in
1: there. (laughs) Right. She's like, why would somebody send her this card? (laughs) (laughs) This is really weird, especially because it had the note. Thanks, Lorraine. By the way, you
2: also, uh, they they did a, uh, sorry to interrupt, but they did (laughs) a check. They checked the address, and it was from, like, the initials D- Period. So I'm not going to mention the person's name, yeah, yeah. but but it wasn't a full name. It was just initials and then an address out of state that they weren't familiar with. So let me right. just include that.
1: Right. Yeah. Good, good, good point. She didn't know who sent it to her. So she asks me about it and I'm like, okay, well I know who Sam Malone is. And I like, I, I definitely, I get the, the idea of that card, the, the spirit of that. So my first thought is I was like, well, I do a Cheers podcast. It might be, and like that that is the connection like between you and me mom and cheers it's like I, I'm the connection so I'm like thinking I was like do I have any podcast listeners with that name or those initials in North Carolina I was like I don't think so like nobody who's ever left me a comment or nobody who's ever guested on the show not that I think of has that name and address like where at the state so I was like and that's just that's just kind of weird so like mom is just like do you think Angie sent it to you as a Christmas present I'm like I doubt it, but let's ask her. So <laughs> I asked. I was like, hey, babe, did you get me a Sam Malone Christmas co- baseball card for Christmas? And she's like, damn it. Yes. What? <laughs> and she, like, ask, okay, well, that is the mystery. Ange bought this card off of eBay or Etsy or something from something and had it sent to mom's house because that's where we were going to be on Christmas. So it cut costs. But As as Angie will maintain in her defense, she didn't know that it had shipped already. There wasn't tracking information, so she couldn't give mom a heads up to warn her. Hey, this thing is coming. It's for Ryan. Don't tell him about it. Also, the fact that the the card was ordered and paid for by Ange, but they thanked mom, the addressee in the letter or whatever, was kind of weird. So there was this whole kind of, like, this miscommunication you could blame a couple of different people about it, but ultimately You can blame all the people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but ultimately the idea was, yeah, my wife had this very fun when I, I've been telling her, because she's like, What do you want for Christmas? I'm like, Honey, I've spent a lot of money this year on myself. Yeah. I'm taking care of it for Christmas. I'm like, don't give me anything. But she did this. She came up with this really thoughtful gift, and then mom ruined it. <laughs> and Mom
2: spoiled it. And okay, so let me let me jump in now too, because here's here's what's fun, and this is why we're we're sharing these stories. Um, we've done this in the past, like you and I have. Attended, part of what makes the very daily Christmas um, podcast brand. fun, yeah, the brand <laughs> yeah. fun is is the history of some of the wacky. You know, things that have happened and we're not just ranking songs, we're also sharing part of how humorous some of this stuff is like these kind of things could really only like, you could see this (laughs) scenario playing out in a in a parody Christmas movie, and not even believe it. But some of this stuff legitimately happens. So when I heard this story yesterday mom brought it to my attention and brought it up. And of course she was like, she showed me the card and I'm like, Oh, it's Sam Malone from cheers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I saw that. I said, mom, so why, why is somebody, did you buy it? And she goes, no, 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 no. I said, well, why are they thanking you? And she was like, well, I don't know. I don't know who this person is. And then she explained that Angie got it and had it sent there. My first response was, okay, if Angie's buying a gift and having it sent to DeKalb because you guys are going to be here on DeKalb, why was mom's name even brought up into it at all? Why didn't Angie address it to herself in DeKalb? Probably should have. Yeah, there's no reason Lorraine's name should have been brought up into it. So, as much as on the one hand it's funny to blame mom because mom has ruined almost all of your Christmases your entire life at some in some form or another. There's enough blame to pass around here. There's there's a lot of blame to pass. Around. If, if anything, she does it out of love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, most people ruin Christmas out of love, but. <laughs> Again, it's just, there's so many funny things about it. Like, why was why was mom's name on it? And then how did Angie not give a heads up to anybody? And then, yeah. <laughs> you know, this woman that sent it, um, did she not know it was a gift kind of thing? Because you certainly wouldn't put say thanks to the person unless no, thought, you thought. Would,
1: you would say thanks to the person who purchased it. Yes, not correct. Not the person who actually gave you money, the transact like not the recipient. Correct, correct. There are so many things. <laughs> there are and, so
2: many things about this.
1: And and the weird thing is, like, it all of these things had to go wrong, but you also had to go the extra step to really like, because my head never went to the idea of a Christmas gift from like somebody. Like the fact that they sent somebody a dress to mom, but the connection might have been through me. I was like, this is oddly threatening like yeah sort of (laughs) like i've gotten two bad reviews on itunes for the cheers cast that i have very publicly outed and like not like i'm gonna take the high road and not address these people's concerns with my show i've gone after them on the show and just been like no screw you so i was like i was like are they getting revenge by they tracked on mom's address and this is like some. i was like this is kind of scary. Like, I never thought that this would have been like a, gener- a Christmas gift or something like that. My head never went there. They actually had to take the extra step of meeting me more than halfway in order to ruin it.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now, let's play a fun little game really quick. Name one person who views our, or listens to our podcast that you would think would send a gift to our mother.
1: Gutierrez. Yes. I yeah. thought the exact same thing. So, <laughs> yeah.
2: it was it wasn't out of the realm of possibility for me to think that David Gutierrez got Mama G- again. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, yeah. I thought okay that's that's an interesting gift and then maybe is state, it, but yeah,
1: yeah I don't.
3: but
2: was it was it like somehow was he doing it to kind of taunt you like was mom supposed to put it in a trophy case on their mantle and be like no, hey, he would genuinely
1: thank her for giving birth
2: to us so that, that's uh, true that's it. true that's true that's true too and then dad's first response which i don't know if you're aware of dad's first response when he felt it, it was from somebody they didn't know an address they didn't know and because it was uh What what a shrink wrapped um, card! They kept it in like it was still in a mailing envelope, letter sized thing, but it was protected to this woman's credit who sent it. It was protected by two pieces of cardboard, so it was there was something hard and inflexible in the envelope. Dad thought he was like, it's either a bomb or it's like check for like anthrax (laughs) or something. (laughs) That was that was his first response. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so so all all things aside we i just i just think there are so many it's a comedy of errors this is total keystone cops that lended itself to yet another classic very daily christmas story and here we are just talking about how nice it's going to be for all of us you your wife your son me and my wife everybody to be at our at at the grandparents' house for Christmas for the first time ever. Everybody in the same household. Mm. And three weeks before Christmas, the women ruin it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's let's uh, let's get back to the uh, – let's get back to our soundtrack uh, and the music list. So uh, we are up to you. Again, what is your third song selection? Okay.
2: My third song selection is – this was an interesting choice, um, and I've got reasons for it that I'll explain. Um, I'm going with – uh, I've recently developed more of an affinity for the country music, um, Christmas songs and stuff. There's been a lot of growth in that area. And because of Alexia, she led me down this country road, new country music and stuff. And I've started writing country songs. And so I've gotten a little bit more into that. So I've discovered some new things, and there was a, I think it's, its honestly, it's from one of those compilations, like, now that's what I call country Christmas, or something along those lines. I couldn't even tell you what album it's off of. But it's from the group Sugarland, sung by Jennifer Nettles, and it's called Little Wood Guitar. Oh my God, is this
3: little wood guitar, what is proud?
0: it's neon lights and crowded bars.
2: music playlist is probably one of the most recent to all of my lists um and like i said you can blame alexia for that one but the cool thing about this particular song is most i mean almost if you go through most genres outside of rock i mean most of the country most of the christmas songs that are covered are traditional classics they're either the you know the old oh holy night silent night you know those type of things have yourself a merry little christmas whatever But every once in a while, you discover like a new one, like a new, uh, like an original, an originally written track. Mm -hmm. This one I discovered, um, melodically, it's just a beautiful acoustic guitar progression. Um, it's simple to play and catchy. What I like about this most, and there's, you'll see as we go forward with our list too this song lyrically is similar to the way I write and the way that I would write a Christmas song in particular. Uh, It starts with nostalgia. It's uh, the leads, the main character, Jennifer Nettles, whether it's written factually accurate about her childhood or not, or, or whatever in the first person she's singing about her childhood and getting, not having much growing up, not having a whole lot of things, you know, like gift to the Magi type of poverty and uh, she gets a little wood guitar. And that's all she's given. And then she goes on in the song to talk about where, how that led her to where she is today, being a famous singer-songwriter, having a life playing music. And what that little insignificance, probably cheap gift on Christmas morning all those years ago took her in a direction that now the song ends with her, the transfer of ownership from or, or the shift of nostalgia to the to future. She gives her daughter. A little wood guitar on Christmas morning, and that's how the song ends. So lyrically, I just loved going along that journey because I kind of write the same way, and I felt it. I felt it like this emotionally. Like I got it, got me in the feels. Just the words that she chose and the story that was told in this one.
1: Very cool. Yeah. I, I wasn't familiar with this one. I had never heard this song before. I'd never, I'd never heard of Sugarland before. Um, it's a pretty song. It's, it's very nice. I, I like it. Um, her, Jennifer Nettles, her voice is incredible for in the, the style or whatever. I, I think, yeah, it's a very yep. harmonious, very pretty song. I'm glad that you talked about your songwriting style because that's going to lead me into my next song choice. So listeners, <laughs> you, you'll, you'll be surprised to find that for this one. I did not actually choose Oh Holy Night for this episode. Um, that, that was <laughs> that had been my standard for the first three <laughs> volumes of a, a Very Daily Christmas is my favorite Christmas song is Oh Holy Night. I Three years in a row, I had a version, but... I've already given you my three favorite versions, and at some point you re- you get to the point of diminishing returns. Um, <laughs> it's, it is time to move on. Um, so there's a song that has been like on our list. It's like, hey, we got to talk about this at some point. Um, so that is uh, your Christmas song, uh, which uh, listeners, you'll be able to hear part of it right now. Um, and you can go to YouTube and find, uh, hear the rest of the song too. Um, but the song is Beneath Our Christmas Tree. I my love. okay, I'm not gonna say anything. You explain yourself now nah, i got I don't have any notes on this one.
2: do you want to move on? <laughs> Okay. no I'm no I'm kidding well there's not, there's not a whole lot to explain um without sound I mean it's it's weird to talk about yourself in a scenario like this um it's no secret the reason we do this podcast is because Christmas music has been whether subconsciously or consciously in influence on mm-hmm. our life. It's been impactful and influence influential in our lives from our earliest childhood to mm-hmm. the TV specials in the movies that we like to, I mean, it's, it's just always kind of been there. I think you used the word omnipresent in a previous podcast mm-hmm. and it's a perfect, that's, that's a great word. Um, but it, it's, it's good that that's, it was only a matter of time until I actually wrote my own Christmas songs mm-hmm. and, uh, so boy, this goes back, this song probably goes back about 10 years. Um, I think I did two of them at the, at the time I did another one that was more of like a, a church uh, song, uh, called there for me, um, which was loosely, you know, somebody could loosely interpret that as being about Jesus. And then mm-hmm. somebody could also interpret that about being, a, being the love of your life. You know, it could, yeah. it doesn't have to be a spiritual song, but then there was this one, which is overtly Christmas. And I wanted to kind of capture, Basically, a lot of the things I talked about in the the Sugarland song, you know, I, I kind of talked about I, I when I wrote this song, I just kind of started with a list of the things that I liked about Christmas, you know, watching black and white movies, uh, you know, some of my favorite Christmas movies of all time are the classics, but now you know, the old classics like 1930s and 40s movies, Um, drinking hot chocolate, making snow angels, you know, that like shopping, like those type of traditional tropes that we associate with Christmas. um, They're they're not cliche to me because those are really the things that I do every December, mm-hmm. that that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to write a song that kind of captured that and. You and I have talked before in the past how we kind of gravitate towards the the ballads, a little bit more the somber Christmas songs. Yeah. I do as well, but I wanted to challenge myself to do something up-tempo and stuff. And the, the last influence that I'll reference for this particular song was I wrote this right after, I think it was, A Very Special Christmas 3, the album came out, which had the Smashing Pumpkins song, Christmas Time. <laughs> um, and that was kind of when we're going back to the early nineties and stuff, but that oh. was all of a sudden there was an, an a, a rock artist that I liked that wrote an original piece of music for Christmas. And that yeah. kind of, that kind of made me think like, Oh, I don't just have to do cover songs. Right. Like, you know, cause I, I've done Christmas shows before, you know, I've played acoustic sets uh, at Otto's in Decalb on Christmas one time, or Christmas mm-hmm. Eve. And then, you know, in LA and stuff like that. And a lot of times when people want to hear Christmas songs, 99% of the people there want to hear a song they know that they can sing to. Right. So right. there wasn't, up until like around the 90s, when I started playing music full time, there wasn't a whole lot of call for original Christmas music. There just right. wasn't a wasn't necessarily a market for, it, or perhaps people were afraid to challenge the marketplace. And then a few artists did it and all of a sudden the, the well sprung busted open and now there's I, I look forward to hearing somebody's new original pieces of music every christmas and there is a market for it and it's a huge money maker and now you know uh, about 4 years ago I I won a songwriting contest in Nashville um mm-hmm. that that company that held that can't contest I think it was the International Music and Lyrics something they hold uh they start taking songs in like March through July for original Christmas music. And you can enter those contests and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but for lack of uh, a better way to explain myself, uh I think it was a combination of, I love Christmas music. I wanted to challenge myself to write something original. And then on top of that, I wanted to incorporate all the things I love about Christmas in my story and then I was, you know, just I was blessed by being home in DeKalb. Uh Boy, again, this is probably 2011, 2012, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but I was home on a beautiful Christmas day uh, or a beautiful, I'm sorry, a couple of days before that, but a beautiful day where it was it was not real cold, but it was snowing lightly. And I took the guitar out in my video camera
1: mm-hmm. and
2: shot myself playing, uh, filmed myself playing guitar in various spots in DeKalb. And made a video and then kind of spliced in all of some of the classic cartoons and things that we remember as children and stuff like that. And then found stock footage of kids opening Christmas presents from the 1950s. And then you, uh, you know, you, Angie, and your son on a Christmas morning when your son, Reese, was a baby. And, uh, you know, I spliced that in and everything about it. I, the final thing I'll say about it is this is a song that I'm actually kind of proud of. And, you know, it's certainly not going to get a whole lot of play because you can only play it for a (laughs) month a year. You know, it's not going to make any of my other musical playlists. It's not going to be something that mom or dad listen to when they want to rock out or something like that. So it's Mm -hmm. just, it's, it's a specific genre. And so it's got a limited shelf life every year, but it's a song that I'm proud of. And I think it turned out really well. And I was happy to kind of share what Christmas means to us and play it, pay it forward. So that's,
1: yeah, I, I love the song. I I knew I had to put it on my list just because we, I knew we had to talk about it eventually, but I, like, it wasn't a sense of obligation. I was like, we should, I'm, I'm proud of the song too. I'm proud of you. Like of, of all of your songs, I think this is maybe the one, the only one that I don't actively take credit for. (laughs) <laughs> I, tell people about it, right? yes. I, I don't try to steal say yeah this i i inspired this song or i wrote those lyrics or something like this is the one where i'm like no this is all him and he, he did a really good job but um no it's it's yeah, it's steeped in the nostalgia, but you're right. Like it's the the experiences, the things that you went through. Because I I have those same memories, I close my eyes and have those same visions, those same ideas of Christmas. Um, I I think it. You you mentioned it, but like yeah, the influence of the Smashing Pumpkins song "Christmas Time" is mm-hmm. very heavy in the production and the and like the music of the the song. I think, which is kind of funny because I think for most people. If they remember that song from the mid '90s, like it probably went down the rabbit hole until just recently. James until this Gunn month, <laughs> used the song to 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 great effect in the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special or holiday special uh, on Disney Plus. Uh, the Pumpkin's Christmas song is is featured there very prominently. Um, but I was like, I was like, I don't think anybody else except for the two of us knew that song.
2: Right. Um, yeah, me too.
1: But oh, it is a great song. You should be proud of it. It's it's really. Really well done, and and deserves to be on more Christmas lists. So, well, thank you. Hopefully, I, I, hopefully, our listeners will get a kick out of it.
2: Yeah, yeah, and get it. Check out the video if you get a chance. Yeah, you know, yeah. the uh, the uh, the other thing too that I want to reference. I forgot to mention this, but um, you know, as we're talking about lyrics and lyrical mm-hmm. passages and stuff, you know, I have a tendency, not by choice necessarily, but I have a tendency to write a lot of cryptic imagery, and and uh, sort of, you know, I try to keep my poem, my poetry almost to a fault where they're, it's tough to decipher and it's not as overtly obvious and that's been a detriment to some of my songs before <laughs> when I've submitted songs before you know people are like you know the the publishing houses are like nope nope you gotta write roses are red violets are blue you know you right. gotta the audience needs to at- attract itself to it you know you're, you're not living in the 70s during like the acid rock explosion and stuff you know <laughs> like write songs that are easy to get to uh, and so you know the some of the metaphors I tried to use I think for the course of this particular song I'll never forget one of my favorite Christmas commercials of childhood. Was it was a Folgers or a Maxwell House coffee commercial, and it's a dude that comes home. The sun. I remember this. And he sneaks into the house on Christmas morning. While
1: everybody's still asleep.
2: While everybody's asleep. And the dog greets him and he's like, shh. And then he goes and makes coffee. And the scent of the coffee in the house wakes everybody up. And the family comes down and he's standing by the tree. And it's just this beautiful, Mm -hmm. beautiful Hallmark type moment. But there was something about that memory, like that somehow worked itself into the things that I remember about, like just there's something about you know all the the gratuitously you know ridiculous Hallmark channel movies that are you know there's 20 new movies a year and everything that come out but they all have this central kind of that feel good moment where you know like somebody is surprised by the christmas tree with the loved one you know that <laughs> that didn't take the job in New York with the corporate, you know, lawyer. They stayed home and with the family and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> all that other stuff. So that's that was kind of a fun, you know, this I was I was trying to draw upon specific imagery that everybody could reconcile with.
1: Yeah, me thinking. Speaking of like Christmas time commercials and everything like that, I just saw a meme uh, a couple of days ago. It's like, this is the time of year when husbands buy a new a new car for the spouse yeah. without telling anybody, just like a psychopath.
2: Yeah. Like, <laughs> I saw the same meme. That's great. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, how many car commercials show, you know, everybody's got a bow on their car yeah. in the driveway. Right. Like, right. Their, right. Like, yeah. their, like their significant other didn't see the checkbook or the credit yeah. card <laughs> like, balance before that and be like. You made that
1: decision on your own? Just knows look good for you.
2: Yes, yeah, you got it exactly. And then the other one that's running right now which as classic as the girls out in the woods with the snow, and she goes, "Hey," or or he says something like, "I got you something," to her, and then a puppy comes running out of the snow, and she's like, "Oh, great!" And she goes, "I got you something," and then a truck bounces over the ridge and then drives <laughs> towards him. And all the stuff. I'm like, I I think that these two have stuff to work on.
3: Yeah, you know? should
1: probably better communication. Yeah, they should talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These should not be surprises. This should be family. Yeah. yeah. These are big commitments. Okay. Um, we've got three songs left on our list, but we're going to take a little break right now. Um, it, on uh, Maybe it was last episode. It was so many years now, I don't even remember. But we have talked about Christmas specials that we enjoyed. Um, we're going to actually talk about our favorite Christmas movies now. It's become most fashionable. Over the last decade or not to talk about the movie Die Hard and question whether or not it is a Christmas movie or not. My stance historically has been it is not a Christmas movie. It is an action movie that just happens to take place at Christmas. Um, if you take out the phrase "now I have a machine gun," ho ho ho, and the Run D M C song, if you take those out of the movie, you could set it literally any time during the year, and nothing about it changes. Yep. Um, that has been my, my driving uh, argument for this. Um, other people feel differently. They think the fact that he's going home, the fact that there's the a, a, a family togetherness. I I don't know what the counter arguments are. I don't pay attention to them. Yep. But in the spirit of Christmas 2022. Who cares? who cares <laughs> my new my new feeling is if you want to watch this movie on Christmas, go for it. watch Good. it. It's a great movie i It is one of my favorite movies. I love the movie Die Hard. I'm not like trying to to critique it or anything um by saying it's not a Christmas movie, but I don't care. It can be a Christmas movie. If it's a Christmas movie to you, it's a christmas movie i I'm no no longer judging, no longer taking play part of this argument that's fine, whatever.
2: For that, uh, along that same line of thinking, I just want to reference I think Batman Returns is one of the greatest Christmas movies (laughs) of all time. There you go. There
1: you go. (laughs) That works. I think so. I think some our friend Michael Bailey would say it's a better Christmas movie than Batman movie, but that's fine. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's you yeah. So, um, with that in mind, it's not. I didn't have it on my list. I do have one non-traditional, non-family-friendly necessarily uh, movie that does make my Christmas list for this year, um, and I'll, I'll mention that one first. I, I'm not going to go for an actual ranking. I'm just going to kind of mention these. But the first movie on my list is the movie Gremlins. Um, Despite being a horror movie and a monster movie about these creatures that start attacking, I do feel like this one is centrally thematically about Christmas, and you can make the distinction because the sequel to it takes place in New York and this big building and everything, and they have very thematic differences in their approach. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's all sorts of stuff. The fact that Gizmo was gift uh, given as a present, as a gift by the father. The fact that the father later yeah. on is like on the road and can't get home in time for Christmas. There's all these things going on, like with like the the woman at the bank and like the the imagery. Phoebe Cates has this horrible monologue in the middle of it about her dad trying to surprise them by acting like santa and falling down the chimney and breaking his neck and they don't find his body right away and it's just like this horrible thing where everybody in the movie the movie just stops so phoebe cates can deliver this horrible story it's like shit okay um <laughs> but anyway, it's a, it, This was one of those movies that we had on VHS. It was part of our movie catalog, so I watched this movie a lot, and it's always had a, a fun spot of me for like a horror monster movie, but also for, for having like the kind of Christmas spirit tangentially associated with it. So
2: I'll, you know, I'll since since you're improvising off the cuff right now, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say Jaws four because <laughs> the first the first thirty seconds of Jaws four takes place in Amity at Christmas and that's all you get for Christmas for the whole show. <laughs> then they go to the Bahamas for the summer. But um, yeah, that's, I, I'll, I'll put that on the list.
1: <laughs> that works. That works. <laughs> um, all right. The next one on my list might be one that's harder to talk about these days. Um, just because one of the main, one of the best parts of about the Baba movie has sort of been canceled. Uh, it's the movie, the ref starring Dennis mm. Leary, but also starring Kevin Spacey. Um, Yeah, what Kevin Spacey did? Not cool, and he should be appropriately punished for that. Um, But he's also really good in this movie, and it's a really funny movie, and it's it's great. Like Dennis Leary, like uh, our personal hero in this movie, just like his dialogue and like well, like the way he treats his family that he takes hostage, and then their overbearing like grandmother character who's just like this like tyrant. And the the interplay between them. It's just it's a hilarious movie. It's really funny, but there's also a sweetness and a wholesomeness and a kind of redemption redemptive spirit that is very Christmassy in this one. I don't know the next time I'm gonna watch it, but it's always been a favorite in my heart. Yeah. Well,
2: let me let me tackle the the elephant in the room then real quick. Um I don't know if everybody I'm not gonna tell anybody who listens to our podcast how to feel about certain about certain things or about certain uh public issues or or scrutiny. It's 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 it goes without saying that we're not we're not certainly endorsing anything that Kevin Spacey has did in his personal life. However, what I will say in a similar way to the way in the past I talked about the song Baby It's Cold Outside and gave my sure. particular view on on how I felt about the song. Anybody sure. they can you know they can, you know what I'll what I will say about this movie, and I'm not gonna spend much time talking about Kevin Spacey. That's neither here nor there. But what I will say is that I have never had difficulty separating the art from the artist. And some people do. I have not, and I'll use a different actor or a different person as an example. Um I I had a conversation with somebody one time about Michael Jackson. That said, you know, that they could never, ever again, listen to a Michael Jackson song because of the HBO documentary that came out about the abuse allegations. And I said, that's really unfortunate because I can separate the music that Michael Jackson created from that person who Mm -hmm. may or may not have done those things, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to appreciate the music that was created. Right. So before it goes any farther, uh, unless you want to add something to well, that,
1: yeah, no, I, I think I think it'll be everybody's going to have their own witness test for that, you know, based on like their their personal preference, their personal comfort zone, what they're willing to accept. I also think every situation is different because so much of this art that we talk about is collaborative process. Like, are like if we if we boycott a movie like The Ref because of Kevin Spacey, what about all of the other actors right. in the movie? Right. What about the director? Right. what about all the, the filmmakers and everything like that like are we putting that on him well yeah. the other
2: thing you, the other thing to keep in mind too is boycotting a film that's already in public existence that has been out already that doesn't do anything it's sure. you're not punishing yeah, yeah, yeah. Ke- yeah. you're not punishing Kevin Spacey by not watching it now if you want to boycott anything he does in the future sure, and yeah, yeah. you know that, that kind of thing then that could hurt him in the pocketbook that could be punishment for somebody like that to re- to deny him to continue to work because of that person but this movie was already made it's done right. it's already right. out so all I'll say about that's enough about that subject The Ref is a great great comedy whether or not it happened to take place at Christmas or not it's it's mm-hmm. a great I mean the interaction the actors in the in the portrayal of this heist uh, you know, gone wrong kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. everything about it is just hysterical, but the Christmas aspect of it and the dude in the bar, uh, dressed as <laughs> Santa, you know, I, I mean, just all these things. And it has one of my all time favorite lines ever that I have used on people before when, uh, Dennis Leary posing as the counselor to this family <laughs> tells the 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 mean matriarch of a grandmother says, Your husband ain't dead, he's hiding. <laughs> That's <laughs> one of one of the greatest lines ever. And I will use that every opportunity I get, especially <laughs> at Christmas. <laughs>
1: He's like, when, when he's taking the wife upstairs to like tie her up and everything and she's describing like the painted art that they have on the wall and he's like you've got this art that you don't even like appreciate it. and she starts going through the sailing like, history he's like what are we girlfriends here i don't know <laughs> about this he's like, he's like do i care about this no it is
2: yeah yeah another line i've used on alexia a lot <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right uh, next up on the list um, the one that is so important to our family that is not a version of a Christmas carol. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one that we actually talked about a lot on a previous episode. And it's the movie Christmas Vacation, National Lampoon's yeah. Christmas Vacation starring Chevy Chase. Um, and it's, I mean, yeah, we've we we you, we've talked about the music from this episode. We mm-hmm. I think we've gone over our family connection to it in mm-hmm. ways that, our father oddly injured himself in two distinct ways that mirror the ways Clark Griswold gets hurt in this movie. Um, yeah, this is just this is one of those staples. We watch this every year. Can't can't not watch it. It's just um, yeah. I can't say I can't say enough. But I feel like we've also talked about this a lot in the past. Too, so.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think I think the best way I would sum this up is this movie is important for us yeah. and for our yeah, family yeah. you know there was a there was a very specific reason that our very first annual very daily christmas show uh podcast i wanted to do the song from that soundtrack and talk yep. about how what a chore it was to discover it and find a Staples
1: it version. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah but that that was that was important to do that in our inaugural mm-hmm. episode because this movie is probably that it's probably the most important. Uh, holiday traditional movie that we will watch as a family because it so mirrors us. All right. All
1: right. <laughs> so. um, and then we go to uh, versions of A Christmas Carol. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think I talked a lot in the last episode about Mickey's Christmas Carol being one of my all time, fa- possibly my all time favorite Christmas. Anything in any kind of media is Mickey's Christmas Carol, um, possibly. Um, I love the Muppets version with Michael Caine. I just saw for the first time in a long time. Uh, we watched the George C. Scott version, mm, yeah, um, which I, I didn't remember as much. And just seeing it again and and, and watching it, I I mean, the, you, it's the same story. So like, you you kind of really have to look for little subtle differences yeah. in what one version does versus another one. Um, I like that that version it doesn't beat you over the head with it until the end when they make it obvious in case it you missed it, but really Scrooge's attitude towards his nephew mm-hmm. and like the way he's been so dismissive of him is really you just see it. It's like because oh, every time he looks at her, he sees his dead yeah. sister. Yeah. Like that's why he can't have his nephew in his life. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I n I don't know that any other version has ever really picked up on that or yep. or made that as explicit, but I like that version. Um, I don't know if you, you've even seen it. Have you seen like the um, the version with Guy Pierce that came out a couple of years ago? FX FX, FX FX FX, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yep. So that's a
1: really interesting version. I mean, like yeah. I give them props for like really like leaning into the fact that this is a gloomy ghost story. Yeah, it's a ghost story should be scary for 90% of the movie. Yeah. I'm not sure it was entirely successful, but it was just an interesting watch. Yeah, um, I, th- I, I thought like, so too. So yeah, the last two movies on my list will, are both versions of the same. One non-traditional one is Scrooged with Bill Murray. <laughs> um, <laughs> directed by friend of the friend of the podcast network, Richard Donner. Yes. Um, and that's just like, along with Christmas Vacation, that's probably the Christmas movie we've watched the most. Um I think like every year it was just like those two. Yep. Um were the Christmas Eve movies that we had to watch. Dilmer cracked me up. I love the these particular depictions of uh the the ghosts um the the whole framing device with the the TV studio and everything mm-hmm. like that. Bob Goldthwait's <laughs> very <laughs> strange thing in his descent into drunken madness. <laughs> it, it's a it's dark but it's funny and it's also pretty. It's it's yeah and it's it's sad. Like there's a whole death of Herman in the sewer. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think of Scrooged?
2: Uh, I I think it's great. I think it's, it's, it's probably one of the most interesting adaptations of, Mm. of, of the, of the story because you're, you're right to a certain extent. I mean, I've probably, you know, we've all probably seen a dozen versions of that story. And this one had this, this version caught, it was Bill Murray in his absolute prime. Um, with the wittiness you and, know. uh, and, uh, yep. just the deadpan humor and being quick off the cuff. But, uh, it was, it was clever and uh, very meta in a weird way. Cause he's making a show and then he becomes the show and all the, like all this, yep. every, you know, th- a lot of that stuff. It was just, it was just cleverly done. Um, I've gone through, you know, for most of my life, I went through thinking that the george c scott version was was my favorite and it was probably because i think it aired at a time you were probably it was like 84 or something like that so and it was like a made for tv thing and so i was kind of just i was old enough to start following the story now but young enough where i wouldn't have appreciated the black and white versions at the time um so for a long time, I loved that version because I, of all the versions of the movie, I've seen that his version of Scrooge, George C. Scott's version of Scrooge, I found the scariest, like the, the, the most okay. of all the actors that have played that role as a child watching that he was the person that I would honestly be afraid to encounter on the street. I, was <laughs> yeah. like, I, I you know, I was like, <laughs> he, he, he epitomized meanness and his gravelly voice and the way he looked at you. I was just like, this guy's terrifying. Um, so I think. Acting wise, he captured the Scrooge character the best. As I got older and then started to appreciate an affinity for and have an affinity for the classics, then I went back and started to like the black and white ones a little more, like the Alistair Sim, you know, the yeah. 50s and then a, night, a late 1930s or 40s one uh, that seemed to get a lot more play on like PBS. On yeah, Christmas Eve yeah. and stuff. Those I appreciate more now just because they're classics although the acting style from that era is much different than it is today. It's True. not quite it's it's more like reading a stage play out loud as opposed to being real and in the moment. So it's a different style of acting um but I'll always it's that's a that's a staple of my Christmas Eve. I still have to watch it every year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the last one, I mean, I I do think the Alistair Sim Scrooge the, the a Christmas Carol mm-hmm. that version is the best uh, objectively maybe just because of everything that it en- encompasses that was the one that was always christmas day or or christmas eve like right before bedtime yeah like that was the last thing we could watch um it just kind of yeah just seared in my memory and just um i remember the colorized version for a couple of years that just oh, didn't, god. didn't work didn't oh work. my god i know nice attempt but no yeah um, that, was, that was bad. Um, yeah, and I can't really say much more just because it's such a classic tale. And I think everybody kind of knows it and has the same feelings about it. But, yeah. um,
2: you know, as we talk about that particular one, the, the la- I, I just think it's funny, though, how it conjures up. I have definitive memories etched in my head of just all the lights in the house being off, except for the Christmas lights around the tree and by the stocking and by the fireplace. And milk you know, and cookies. You, yeah, milk and cookies. It's dark. You're watching a black and white movie and it's, you know, it's late night. And mom and dad have probably gone to bed and we're like the last two up, you know, prepping for the next morning, the inevitable chaos that's going to come the next Mm -hmm. morning. But just that feeling of, you know, like treats on the table, sweets, cookies, (laughs) you know, eggnog and that in the dark.
1: I can almost say this I could almost describe Halloween the same way. It was kind of the same the same thing was how the end of Halloween night was was spent. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: well actually and
2: so, both times we're probably watching a ghost story.
1: Yeah, yeah really. Yeah. <laughs> um any other Christmas movies you want to give a shout out to before we get back? I mean um, uh, there's so many, but you know, yeah,
2: there's so many. I mean, the other one that's an absolute must watch, uh you know, on Christmas Eve is it's a wonderful life, you know, and I usually the cool thing is because it's a wonderful life. This is an interesting story. Uh, it's a wonderful life for a long time because the movie wasn't a success right out of the bat. The studio didn't keep the rights to the movie, which allowed for that to be played on multiple channels. Um, It was not, you know, then there was a period of time where NBC then bought it and played it, I think on Thanksgiving, like that became like a must watch thing, but it was still allowed for the rights were never exclusive. So it's a wonderful life would also air on different channels throughout Mm -hmm. December, which I found very interesting because most movies don't do that. Um, Mm -hmm. Like we talked about the PBS, uh, like, uh, you know, locally in DeKalb, it was like channel nine or WGN or something. Um, It's a wonderful life. The black and white version would play before. For the black and white scrooge on christmas eve so we could start at like say eight o'clock at night and watch till midnight you know yeah. the, the classic black and whites so it's a wonderful life is always going to be a, a staple of my christmases every year it's a must watch i still find i mean as a person who's studied film and and television and been in the entertainment industry that might be one of the greatest screenplays ever created Mm -hmm. i think it's just it's just an absolutely brilliantly written movie so i can't talk about that enough but that's for another story i mean that's the kind Mm -hmm. of thing everybody Mm -hmm. knows what it is and has seen it um so lastly just if we're talking about movies i want to give aside from the classics that everybody knows i got to give a shout out to a couple of the recent entries into Uh, what I consider to be the all-time classics now. Movies that I must watch at some point in December. You know, there's obviously, there's great comedies like Elf, which is now kind of replaced Scrooged uh, as the must-see comedy, but that plays throughout. You know, it Mm -hmm. plays almost too much on AMC through December and stuff. Um, I I will always have a spot in my heart for love, actually. I will always have... Mm -hmm something at some point in december i will have to watch that movie (laughs) because that movie is boy it's a roller coaster of emotion there are a dozen moments in that that make me want to cry both with joy and with sadness um but everything about love actually is great and then probably the least known of the movies i love that not many people really know is a movie called the stone which is or the family stone the well, family
3: story
2: starring Sarah just Jessica Parker, Dermot Mulroney, uh, uh coach Craig T. Nelson, um, uh, yeah. you know, everybody that 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 whole cast, uh it, that whole cast is absolutely phenomenal. And it's a it's a quirky love story, but much in the same way National Lampoons Christmas Vacation deals, this show deals with the dysfunctionality of family when everybody gets into the same house. Uh <laughs> you know, um boy, there it's yeah, it's it's everything about it. I just find funny the 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 mishaps and uh somebody the new person trying to fit in and impress the family who's being hard on her and all these other things about it. Um I love it and I'll watch it every year in Christmas at Christmas time. I don't think a lot of people Seem to know it doesn't get played on TV regularly, so it's probably harder to find. You'll have to find it on streaming. But I highly recommend if you haven't seen it or haven't heard of it, at least go to YouTube and check out the trailer for The Family Stone, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've re- I it's I think I maybe only seen it the one time, but uh, I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, we got a few more songs that we got to go through, so. um uh, okay. Actually, we're back to you. We got another one of yours. So, <laughs> All right. Um, well, in Kate,
2: I think this is perfect timing to bring this one into the mix after talking about famous Christmas shows and specials and <laughs> things that we watched and all these nostalgic trips, because the next one I discovered, believe it or not, from an episode of The Simpsons. It was in the closing credits of Miracle-An on Evergreen Terrace, and this one's called Santa's on His Way by Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys. <laughs>
3: Hooray,
0: hooray. 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 Oh, here, the merry sleigh. Yes, yes. Dingling, 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 dingling. Santa's on his way. Oh, Santa. Be good, be good. The way you know you should. He's got some toys for girls and boys who promise to be good. Okay.
3: The first time I heard
2: this song, uh, because this episode of The Simpsons has to be 30 years old. It has to be sure. like something like one of the first Christmas things the Simpsons did. Um, the first time I thought of it, and it plays just during the during the closing credits, like you only get a snippet of the song, but I thought it was a joke, or I thought it was a comedy bit that the Simpsons writers did to put in this movie. I didn't, I couldn't possibly fathom that this was a real song. <laughs> I just it didn't <laughs> seem real. Uh, when you get this phonograph type recording and this guy's voice in the ha
3: ha. <laughs> you know, like
2: a um, almost like a what's it mr hanky kind of thing yeah. uh, but i always loved the song and it came up recently i think one of our one of our listeners in a previous very daily christmas podcast mentioned it in the comments on the fire and water night podcast network somebody in our chat and i forgive forgive me for forgetting who it was but brought it up and i remembered it and then i tracked it down and the, so here's the story bob wills is considered uh the King of Western swing. And he would probably be the oldest artist we've ever discussed. If it wasn't for the one that's going to come after this one, (laughs) but he was prominent in the 1930s to the 1950s and check this out. This guy, again, remember my introduction to the song was thinking it was a comedy bit. I thought it was a joke. Nevertheless, this guy and his band were inducted not only into the Country Music Hall of Fame, the Singer Songwriter Composers Hall of Fame, but in 1999 into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> and he's an actor and he's appeared in 19 movies, all westerns. This guy is phenomenal and he's considered, I guess, what, what you know, the if they're going to call him the king of western swing, he would be the Elvis of this particular genre of country western music. So That's who it is, and that's this guy. But this song, I had to choose on my list because I can't not laugh out loud when I hear it.
1: The the recording quality, you talk about like how old the song is like to me, like listening to the song play, I'm like, was this recorded on like a phonogram? Like old <laughs> old wax, like what or was a Fisher like Fisher Price record player? Yeah, yeah. I was am trying to think of like um Oh brother, where art thou where they're just like recording right. into like this box and they're like talking about like the whole old radio station. I was like, this just sounds so old. And then the voice at the beginning <laughs> That kicks it off. Before he starts singing, you just hear this voice go, Hooray! Christmas is here! And I kid you not, we were talking about Cancel Country. Like, I thought it was Bill Cosby's voice. Like,
2: oh, my God. I thought
1: that's who was saying that. I was like, what the heck is the song? But Oh, it's such a funny... It's, it's just like a sweet little rockin' country Christmas song. It's great. It's a great yeah. song. Yeah, it's it is. Like, it's just like... The recording quality, the sound of it is just so old-fashioned that that itself becomes kind of like an earworm.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean the you hear the you can hear the record player skipping as as it plays across the vinyl and you can imagine playing it at a time when like radios were boxes remember the big brown yeah. wooden boxes that yeah. people had as radios back then and I picture the phonograph with the giant speaker you know the the oh, yeah, horn shape like, the cornucopia yeah, that sticks yeah, yeah. out and that's how you're playing music through the house like that's how I picture it but it's just it's just awesome. Like this is just hysterical. Yeah.
1: And that all oh, the sound of that steel guitar that just that twang. It's just <laughs> dingling, so... <ding-a-ling>,
2: dingling, <laughs> dingling, dingling. Santa's on his way.
1: <laughs> that should be the new mantra for next year. Dingling yeah. dingling.
2: Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Because this year it's who cares?
1: Who cares? Who cares indeed? righty. Getting to my last song, um, and it's actually more of a spoken poem than it is a song. Um, we have talked about louis armstrong in the past uh, when we talked about cool yule on a previous episode i recently for this year got his album louis wishes you a cool yule <laughs> and at the very end of the track is a version of louis reciting the poem it's more commonly known as twas the night before christmas the actual title is a visit from saint nicholas
0: the stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the
1: matter. I want to read this section. This is from the liner notes on the album, uh, written by Ricky Riccardi. The circumstances behind that last recording remain shrouded in mystery. Alone in his den and ailing, Armstrong read it twice on one of his reel-to-reel tapes on February 26, 1971. Why was he reading a Christmas poem two months after the holidays had passed? Could he have been planning one final gift for his fans? For this release, one of Armstrong's unedited readings has been is being reissued for the first time set to a dazzling new accompaniment by Sullivan Fortner who demonstrates the history of modern jazz piano in his sensitive yet groovy backing. Everybody knows this poem, everybody is uh, is familiar yeah. with this. You've heard versions of this, so when I got to this I was like, "Okay, this will be kind of interesting." Within 30 seconds of listening to this, I was like, "Oh my god, this is such a refreshing and fun version of this song." And what I loved listening to this one is it sounds actually like he's reading it for the first time.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: And by that, I mean it doesn't sound like he has the words memorized because when you've got it memorized, you the, the poem itself naturally lends itself to the rhyme scheme. And it is a very melodic yeah. kind yeah. of like – it's, it's a very singable type of poem right. because of the rhyme scheme and the meter and everything like that. Unless if you've never seen the words before or whatever, you kind of fit into that flow. You kind of fit the melody and the rhyme. But you, I mean, it might be a little bit a perfect. That's what it sounds like when he's reading it. There are a few parts where it's like the word, the next word in the sentence surprises him. It's like he wasn't <laughs> expecting that because he hasn't memorized it. Or there's a little bit of a pause. Wow, that's just really interesting. That's kind of funny because you'd think it would be so well known. And if he's choosing to do this, it's, did somebody just hand him the poem and say, "Hey, read this" or something? And like he just decided to do it was that for the first time? But then when I kind of thought about, okay, he was just doing it on his own. Just the spoken word part. The the music was added later by right, another right. artist. His voice then, when he was recording it, was the only instrument, Mm -hmm. and he made his voice the jazz instrument of this thing. All of those things that I was describing, the pause, the beat that's a little bit too long or that comes at a weird kind of atonal discordant part, the sense of, like, surprise that, oh, that rhymes but almost accidentally, that's just jazz.
3: Yeah. Jazz, that's is like, yeah. yeah,
1: that's that's the improv. It's like between the notes. It's that that unexpected stress or that silence that that has the melody, but breaks like breaks away from it. That deviates a little bit. That's what he's doing with his reading. He's making it that kind of jazz reading in a way that just feels cool, like groovy. It's like it's like it's not the standard. Like it's it's taking. You have this very i'm gonna say wrote but i don't mean that in a pejorative sense but this very standard melody and rhyming poem yes and he's just adding a sense of energy to it that you just never expect but i love it
2: yeah you know what's fascinating about everything that you just said and we hadn't talked about this ahead of time but since you touched on his meter as he reads it so to speak um I think you're right, because once somebody commits something to memory, the way they memorize it becomes difficult to shake up. And what I'll I'll use as classic examples, first of all, as an actor, I was always taught, you know, don't memorize the way you're going to say the words, because then that leaves you completely impossible to improv or react off of whatever the person's giving you. So memorize the words monotone in a flat by rote to use your word by rote, memorize it, and don't Add inflection to your memorization of it. Uh, Another example is God, if you've ever been in a cat, I can't remember the last time you were ever in a Catholic church, but when people are doing recitals back to the priests and the whole church sings recites in unison, there is not a single person that deviates from the way everybody else is saying the same tempo and the same meter. And if mm-hmm. you try to, it's hard to break out of, like when you're doing like the Our Father or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. It is hard to break out of the way that you have it memorized. So... I think that's really interesting. Everything that you've said about this, and I wouldn't have come up with that on my own. So I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That's a jazz musician that's improving his way through a story, reading something for the first time. I believe it. I actually, yeah. be- I actually believe it. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, cool so. yeah cool you will
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was my last track um obviously there are so many Christmas songs that we haven't gotten to and hopefully we'll get to some more um, I know you were a little bit disappointed because last year for Christmas you gave me William Shatner's Christmas album at <laughs> Shatner Christmas um I didn't pick anything from that from that album on my list this year um <laughs> Yeah, I think
2: I figured it would take like a year or two for you to like kind of, you know, marinate with that. And then you'll probably want to talk about the album.
1: <laughs> you've never lived until you've heard William Shatner and Henry Rollins on Jingle Bells. But <laughs> can <laughs> you live until you've heard Henry Rollins and William Shatner singing Jingle Bells? But yeah, that'll be interesting. So anyway, we got one more song and whew, what a doozy to go out on, Neil. Yeah. What All is our right. capper for this year? The uh, Who Cares Christmas Year.
2: <laughs> well, this is it's it's so apropos of today of the Who Cares Very Daily Family Christmas Volume Four. Um, this is a song we've referenced multiple times. We've referenced this artist in Halloween episodes. We've referenced this artist quite a bit, um, but it's about time the song works its way out of our purview and into world consciousness so <laughs> t- tonight i want to introduce all of our listeners to jan terry's excuse my christmas
0: let's go through central park on a sleigh but we gotta get home santa's on his way in spanish they say feliz
3: navidad feliz navidad this christmas when we're away we know you miss us I can say is excuse my Christmas.
2: Yes, that was real. <laughs> I, just want, <laughs> I just want to mention that for all these people, everybody looking at each other right now saying, What? I want- yes, that is a real song. <laughs> now, you perhaps have heard of Jan Terry from some of her other YouTube hits Hot Dog Baby, Blame It on Tequila, Email My Heart, Journey to Mars, or our spooky holiday favorite Get Down Goblet. <laughs> jan terry is cut from the same cloth as for i'm digging in the way back machine here but from the very first season of american idol there was a reject named william hung This oh, Asian yes. Guy. <laughs> yes he made a he had he was awful and he knew how to market how awful he was to his best <laughs> advantage and got to release an album and <laughs> he would bridge that gap of where people are like is this you know, to quote, uh, uh, coming to America, good and terrible. <laughs> <You> know, <he's, laughs> yeah. He was in that vein. Jan Terry is now the new William Hung. She <laughs> has successfully mastered and marketed the fact that her songs and videos are awful, including including in my, in my research on her. She had a song called Losing You, which was voted as YouTube's worst video of all time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Now, that's hard. That's hard to do.
3: That's yes. <laughs>
2: her, I've seen a lot of bad stuff out there, but I beg to differ. I think, excuse me, Chris, excuse my Christmas should win this award. I can't think, I mean, I could do a whole podcast on Jan Terry and the fact that she lives right now, she currently lives in a trailer park in California next door to a Jack in the box. Um, <laughs> but there for, I mean, I, I don't, I kind of don't know how else to describe how awesome this video is. Until you see the video and if you haven't seen it, you have to watch it and you have to watch it more than once and then you have to try and figure out what she's saying (laughs) because that that's a struggle in and of itself and lastly it's 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 perfect for this podcast because. Does she know she's terrible and she's doing this on purpose because she knows she's terrible. So she's poking fun at herself. Is it in jest, or is this somebody that has no idea that they're terrible and they're doing this with all the best intentions and this is the best they could do. There's so many avenues you could take, but she has done a bunch of these type of songs that for lack of a better suit, they're good and terrible. (laughs) Uh, And, and, it's like you can't look away and if you read the comments on this particular video on youtube look at the comments everybody else says the same thing i do they're like this is amazing i can't look away i have to listen to this every year on christmas now this is my new favorite christmas song
1: it's that it's that mm-hmm. so <laughs> it's uh, so there there's a jazz version of singing off melody <laughs> And then there's a Jan Terry version. <laughs> yes. In my head canon, when I kind of think about the origins of this song, and I'm going to like the song and like the recording, I'm trying to put myself in a my headspace. I think she wrote herself a little Christmas ditty, maybe like a verse or two, and she called up her kids and sang this as a voicemail message. <laughs> <laughs> and the kids, like the way we would if we got this from mom, are like, there's gold here. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, the good and terrible kind of gold. uh uh-huh. <laughs> We need to actually do something with this. And then they put her in, like, front of an actual microphone and got her to record this. And it wasn't that much better than the original. <laughs> but it's... No, like, no. <laughs> like, and it's just, like, weird, like, the weird lyrics that seem like inside jokes when she's, like, like, but Kevin is here. Let's go visit him. What do you think? It's like, who's Kevin? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm right. Like, probably one of the kids that she called. And, like... But maybe
2: not, though. What if she's even more brilliant than that? What if her family looked at each other when the song came out and said, we don't have a Kevin in our family? <laughs> like, I think she's smarter than we give her credit for.
1: And then the end when, like, the alarm, like, the, the like, file safe alarm goes off and it's the countdown to New Year with the guitar in there? Yep, yep. Yeah, all of the
2: secrets. Just- I also, I'm, I'm not quite. Don't quote me on this, folks, because I can't guarantee it. But I think that might be an uncredited solo by Eddie Van Halen, yeah. much, <laughs> much like his solo for "Beat It."
1: We're just like, yeah,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, don't forget, it brings. It's. I mean, this is a global. This this song's got global impact because she breaks into Felice Navidad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, she references it. Yeah, she she does. She she does. No, she does. In In Spanish, they sing Feliz Navidad. (laughs) There are just so many things. Like,
2: honestly, I I almost feel terrible. Like, I don't know how much more we can talk about this for people that haven't seen it yet. Because you got to see it and then leave comments in our show once we post this. Because this could be, at the same time, the single greatest and the single worst experience of your Christmas lives. (laughs)
1: This is the audio equivalent of an unironic bad Christmas sweater.
2: Yes. Yes, very much so. Yeah, just, very much so.
1: And also an ironic Christmas sweater on top of it.
2: right wearing it yeah yeah Yeah. no there's i like i don't know i just every time i think about this chick i go back and forth between like uh, because she's got a lisp too she has like a speech impediment (laughs) so sometimes you can't you don't know what she's saying and some of the rhymes i mean your son reese could write a better nursery rhyme than than some of this stuff so it's like Who's encouraging this? Like who who around said, like, if it's meant to be ironic now, that's one thing. But she had to start somewhere. Somebody first had to be like, hey, you should make a video. (laughs) And that's what's awesome about this. I think Kevin. Yeah, that's the question. Is
1: is she in on the joke or not?
2: Yeah. Right, right. That's a good question. I have a tendency to believe, since you referenced Kevin in the song, I think (laughs) he's her
1: Tyler Durden. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I we'll want to say anything else. It's just, it's just, I think that is the way to end. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> folks, go check out Excuse My Christmas because who cares?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we will uh, We will have links to all of these songs. Uh, you can find the videos, um, especially Beneath Our Christmas Tree. Uh, check that one out. Definitely. Um, this was a lot of fun. Uh, to get back and do this again.
2: Yeah. Again, um, you know, let's, let's just again, we've said it at the beginning. We'll say it throughout the show every time. This show would not nearly be as fun to do if it wasn't for the people that, that are, that take part in it, the people that give us feedback, yeah. the people that give their suggestions, the people that share their stories and the people that listen. And we yeah. thank you guys for doing it. Um, we hope it's entertaining. We hope it gives you guys some joy and what for both Ryan and I has, you know, as we've referenced earlier, some difficult, things this year it's been difficult last couple of years yeah. um so thank you for everybody that that just gives us and affords us the opportunity to <laughs> to shed some light on how awful uh our mom and ryan's wife is with christmas presents if,
1: if you want to send if you want to send me something a baseball card or something or if you want to send anything to our mom if you need her address dm yep. us you know we we'll yep.
2: <laughs> Or contact David Ace Gutierrez, who's the <laughs> instigator behind this whole thing. I know he started this. I'm sure it is.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Fire & Water Records is a proud part of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Feedback for this show can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com, as well as the Facebook pages for Fire & Water Records and Fire & Water Podcasts.
2: Special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For information on how you can support the Fire & Water Podcast Network, visit patreon.com slash
1: fwpodcasts. All music clips are used for entertainment purposes. Support the original artists and their work by purchasing or downloading the songs legally. As always, thanks for listening.
3: Merry Christmas! <laughs> Hooray!
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, beneath our Christmas tree, Give wrapped in mystery. A promise that we'll always be guided by our destiny. This time awaits for nobody.